Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here's a man who would arrive too late to save me, my untimely friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Uh, uh, I'm doing wonderful today, and, uh, you know, my household is known for not showing up on time too often, uh, but if I knew you were in trouble, I would definitely be on time to save you. Yeah, I wrote the open here kind of both ways. I wasn't sure if I was going to say you were going to be able to save me, but since it took us so long to get started tonight, I realized I would be dead. Oh. Do, you, do you know why I chose that as our open? Well, there's a lot of time travel in these first two, and I, I think you're making a reference to the Spider-Man that we were, we're going to do tonight, Spider-Man 153. Well, I'll come back during the close and maybe I'll, you know, mention why I chose this open. But you're right, we are going to talk about the Spider-Man books. And the first one is from March of 1976. It's actually Marvel Team-Up 43 featuring Spider-Man and Doctor Doom in A Past <laughs> Gone Mad. Written by Mantlo, Usama, and Esposito. Uh, yeah, they almost were buddies a long time ago. So we start with it. Doctor Doom. Uh, he suddenly appeared in 1692 to confront the Dark Rider as Vision, Spider-Man, and Cotton Mather look on. Doom quickly dispatches a maniacal Mather, while the Dark Rider sicks his overgrown house cat on Spidey and Vision. The Dark Rider then goes into detail about Victor Von Doom's magic witch mother and failed experiments to journey into other realities. I really appreciate page six and seven. This is like a spread. Uh, did you see this here, James B? Yeah, they're going to repeat this in the in the next book with this situation where they take they take a big double page book they put some action in the middle and then they sprinkle some other panels on the outside of it it's very unique i've never seen it before or since uh, yeah well the action is actually in the eight panels on either side and in the middle we have the dark rider giving a a great synopsis of dr doom's past here um there's all this action spider-man and vision are fighting the dark rider had literally a house cat on his shoulder which he then turned into it really just looks like a bigger house cat. <laughs> Not even a saber-toothed tiger or something like that. But it's it's a great depiction and way to do this. I, I can't wait to see it more often. Well, the thing in the middle you talked about, Dr. Doom's origin, uh, it was covered in Fantastic Four Annual 2. So you know, yes. anyone like me who's actually read that kind of was like, yeah, I already know this, but... <laughs> I didn't feel too. That was that was only twelve years before this issue, so <laughs> I didn't feel too badly from, from 1964. Sure, good call, good call. Well, um, the Scarlet Witch ends up saving Spidey and Vision from the Rider's overgrown house cat, <coughs> while Doctor Doom attacks the Rider. By the way, the cat dies, right? I, I think so. He okay. just poofs away. Yeah, from the Scarlet Witch's hex. Sure, he's dead. Yeah, okay. sorry, sorry, Kitty. Well. Uh, there is an interlude from the action as we get additional historically accurate backstory of John Proctor's witch trial in Salem, but then we return to the trio of heroes along with Doctor Doom battling the Dark Rider rather unsuccessfully. Vision, Scarlet Witch, Spider-Man, and Doom are all defeated, and we are left with the accurate stench of the Dark Rider's victory. <laughs> Uh, this Dark Rider is one worthy adversary. I mean, he's knocked out 
a lot of big names here. I'm kind of excited to see what happens to him. Yeah, Doctor Doom and I guess his new friends barely have the upper hand for even a single panel. This is just one long beatdown <laughs> delivered by the baddie this book. So if yeah. you want to see the bad guy just win an entire book, uh, Marvel Team Up 43 is for you. Must be, must be, must have been an awful <laughs> book to have. You have your March book and then nobody buys you the April issue and you're like, wow, that was just, that was just embarrassing. <laughs> but we, I we, found it rather exciting, quite a cliffhanger. So, but we didn't have to worry about that because we had access <laughs> to the April issue, and that was from April of 1976. Marvel Team Up 44, featuring Spider-Man and Moon Dragon in Death in the Year Before Yesterday, by Mantlo, Busema, and Esposito. Moon Dragon has had haunting dreams since Wanda and Vision vanished recently. She comes up. Upon the same hex orb that the distressed Scarlet Witch sent to Spider-Man two issues ago, and it teleports her to 1692 Salem, where she sees the Dark Rider siphoning energy off the unconscious Scarlet Witch, Vision, Spider-Man, and Doctor Doom. Moon Dragon attacks the Dark Rider, and they lock into some sort of mind meld. Moon Dragon painfully travels through time and space with the Dark Rider. She sees uh, he is an ancient being from the first age of wizard men, but is released when Wanda attacks. Spider-Man frees Doctor Doom and decides they all must attack at once. The bevy of heroes in Doom attack simultaneously and destroy the Dark Rider. <laughs> Cotton Mather is very sad. <laughs> uh, we probably won't see Cotton Mather again anytime soon. Uh, fare thee well, my favorite old English talking cross-zapping villain. <laughs> um, I, I should have checked for you if it was the final appearance of Cotton Mather, but I didn't check that up on the Marvel I, uh, fandom. I like Cotton Mather for so many different reasons, actually. <laughs> First of all, the way he talks. I mean, I've said it before. I got to, um, thankfully, during our segment last pod, uh, say just a few lines from Mather. But he's always so intense in the old English style in which he talks. It's just really funny to me. <laughs> so that and, I, I mean, he's remarkably powerful and weirdly driven. I was disturbed enough when Spider-Man had to face off against literary character Frankenstein's uh, monster. Aww. Sorry, he was only <laughs> facing off against him in the cover. Apparently they were allies in the book. But now he's facing off against historically <laughs> accurate figures. I'm sure someone will tell me, oh, no, this happened before, but... You know, good old Marvel team up. Right? You know, I always err on the side of I, I do like the weird things that happen. And like Frankenstein and Dracula to me were they were cliche villains. But Cotton Mather, talk about out of left field. I never would have thought I saw Spider-Man fighting him. So we got a little bit left here in this book, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, Doctor Doom, now that things have resolved, issues an ominous threat and he returns back to the present day along with Vision, Wanda, and Moondragon. Uh, Spidey says he'll catch up later. Uh, keep in mind, he's got to like get the time machine that I guess they can send back to him. Uh, and he swings to Salem, where he finds John Proctor and the others that were with him. Hung for witchcraft. Uh, but, but, what, a, what a sad ending. <laughs> This is, Eddie, reason one of two why I mentioned to you uh, at the beginning of the open, I said my friend who would not be there uh. to save me in time. Because <laughs> Spidey shows up and he 
lets the reader know I was too late. The yeah. fight took too long. That's why there's six dead people hanging here. It is a really dark, um, tragic drawing that we see at the end here. I thought Spidey had been clear that he could not alter the future. So he did discuss I mean, that. Has been discussed. I don't know. This was this but, was going to happen. So wait, I agree. He he's clear. He should not alter the future. Does Spider Man, aka Peter Parker, he, he, you know, uh, Empire State University student, is he sitting there looking at people going, "Yeah, you died in the Salem witch trial. You survived the Salem witch trial. Let's let's do a quick moment to find out. I'm going to use you, an educated man with internet Uh-oh. resources, uh, an educator, right? I'm oh, true. Use, you're yes. going to represent Peter Parker's knowledge base. Okay. Okay. All right. How many people? Do you think Uh-oh. were hanged in the 1692 Salem Witch Trials? Well, as I've stated before, I have been to the Salem Witch Museum, but I didn't find it all that exciting. It was on a field trip, too, so I didn't get to read everything. Um, 37. Final answer? Yeah. It was actually only 19. 19, oh. or, 19 or 20. It depends if you count the guy who was stoned to death. So, Ooh. so uh, we'll, we'll just say, we'll say a clean 20. There were like 200 imprisoned. They eventually decided this isn't right. <laughs> and they let everybody go. And then a couple years later, they told everybody sorry. And then a couple years later, they gave them all money. Really? Them, especially the people I, who had lost people. I think Cotton Mather was a disgraced after this, too, eventually, right? He kind of had a falling out. No? I don't know. Yeah, he was I out of the. Well, I mean, he, he lived through this, but he. He, it's funny. I remember, I think there was a section where Cotton Mather was arguing that we should, that they should not allow uh, people's like dreams and visions to be accepted as testimony against the, uh, against the, you know, defendants. <laughs> it, it does start accurately with, with two young girls and then their friends. Oh, it, yeah. It, the, the entire trial, everything starts because these couple kids were saying everyone's a witch and I'm, yeah yeah so it starts with the it, betty Paris it's a little scenario. played up in this this particular issue but it is remarkably accurate I, you say it's played up i of course fell into the trap of going to do some research on this after Uh-oh. reading this and it does not appear to be played up at all actually it's oh. it's reduced a little bit they, they pulled a couple things out of it but I, the same people were accused of the correct things yes in, in almost exactly the same way when it shows the girls flopping around yeah the girls were flopping around that's how they started it they wow they accused some people of these things and, they, <laughs> and uh, in fact uh there was a one of the women whose name is sarah good yes uh, they questioned her daughter and her daughter yes. couldn't give good answers so she got locked up for eight months you know how old this little girl was four oh jeez what a debacle a but really, she, they didn't really believe, sad chapter an, in history her answers were she was very hesitant to give answers and they were in there like well you obviously you must be a witch but anyway <laughs> well sir sir cease us from these marvel team-ups this is a word moon dragon used on page three um meaning we need a to a session from uh secede from i guess mm. um the marvel team-ups here i'm i'm ready i'm for some more positive, amazing Spider-Man. Sure. Well, hopefully we got one. <laughs> From February of 1976, The Amazing Spider-Man in The Longest 100 Yards, written by Len Wein, art by Ross Andrew, and inked by Mike Exposito. And before you continue, I want to 
jump in here. Eddie, one of our listeners reached out to me. This listener, by the way, goes by Supreme Collector Nick. He's at Hard oh. at Work Nick. And he said, I would like to hear your thoughts on the art a bit more in your podcast. If I had one critique, that would be it. Maybe you do get into it on other episodes. The Ditko art versus Romita versus Ross Andrew would be something I'd like to hear your opinions on. Ooh. Well, uh, you know, as stated just at what we talked about, I really... I'm getting a lot more into this art with these full page uh, spreads, but I, I for one, have always loved Ditko above all others. I, there's some kind of creative genius about it being that's the first time we see so many things. Uh, he's just my favorite. When I do the intro of a book, I have 10 seconds to kind of punch it all in there. So sometimes I say art by, inked by, and sometimes I just say their names because, you know, it's obviously the order I always read it is the writer the artist, and then the inker, and anybody who's helping the inker as well. So Ross Andrew, who wrote this book, if you look at it, he's very popular with people in a certain age group because that's what they grew up with. We have had Ross Andrew on here before, but he is the artist on this book here. So as we go back and look at panels in this book, as you're talking to me, maybe we can comment on something if you notice anything in particular. At Hardwork, Nick has a podcast. He is a podcaster as well. So I, I appreciate him taking the time to reach out with us to give us some feedback. So Eddie, let's talk about um, what happens in the book. And if the art happens to be important, we'll bring that up as well. Yeah, I, you know, I just mentioned the full page from Sal Buscema and that Marvel team up we had, I really enjoyed. But uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it as we go on here. Uh, it's late at night when Spider-Man comes upon a cabbie who needs rescuing. He rescues him in hilarious fashion and we cut to Empire State University the next morning. Yeah, Eddie, Spider-Man really damages that cab. Uh, I know the cabbie would have been happier just being robbed from what Spider-Man did to it. He you know, tore off both doors and you know, he wrecked it. He kind of like damaged the car, just crashing it so he could try yeah. to save the guy. <laughs> he went from, I don't know, being robbed of maybe a, $100 to losing a, a couple thousand dollars worth of car because it is totally destroyed. And he tries to put it back together <laughs> only to have the doors fall off. I, I kind of enjoyed this silly interlude, actually. Sure. <laughs> well, at Empire U, MJ is giving Peter the cold shoulder. And Peter is getting hot-headed about it when they calm down and go for a walk to chat. Eddie, have you noticed uh, Harry Osborn 5.0? Uh, yes, I have. He's, he's, a doofus. he's very different from he's a, what he's he was a, before. He's a doofus, Eddie. <laughs> One of my favorite words. He, mm. he most certainly is. He's, I, eating his little ice cream and sticking his head out, making googly eyes, and maybe, he's, he's ridiculous. Maybe he got a lobotomy while he was oh, in gosh. the hospital. <laughs> sure, he's, he's, he's terrible. So uh, please, con Harry. please continue. Well, Ned Leeds stumbles upon the couple and asks Peter if he can help him interview the former BMOC football star turned intermolecular computer scientist, Dr. Bradley Bolton. Uh, intermolecular computer scientist. Well, maybe we can talk about that later. In dramatic fashion, Bolton tells the tale of his nearly triumphant 99-yard run his senior year that changed the course of his life, leading him to become a computer scientist in Family Man instead of a football player. Uh, he gets a mysterious message while he's talking and excuses himself from the rest of the interview. We see him in a park next to a mobster on a bench who wants a favor. He needs a component to a computer Bolton constructed that identifies worldwide habitual offenders and has his daughter 
held hostage until he gets the component. Uh, maybe the courts keep bad records, and that's why they need so many villains getting out early. <laughs> so that's why we need this computer. I don't understand this reference you made here. I, oh. I read this. I was going to comment. Like, what? What are you trying to tell me? <laughs> I can't, I can't understand what you're trying I, to I'm trying to say they finally built a computer to keep track of, like, you know, like, Doc Ock keeps getting out early, or the Vulture, or the Scorpion. And, like, these guys are habitual offenders. Like, they're constantly offending. And, okay, <laughs> maybe maybe they're not keeping good records. And, you know, somehow they forget that the Scorpion's an evil villain and they just let him out early. So thank you for the computer, Dr. Bolton. Does it Does it keep track of... Is it predicting future offenders? Well, or, or is it just guess just letting us know who commits a lot of crimes? I think that's what it's doing. It's letting us know who habitual offenders, which is one of my favorite terms that a friend of mine uses, a habitual offender. He refers to his children like dipping their finger into an ice cream <laughs> like that. Uh, but yeah, keeping track of criminals who keep committing crimes, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> Well, that night at the Empire University homecoming dance, Bolton slinks off, but Peter notices his departure. He clumsily pawns MJ off on Harry and attempts to follow Bolton. And yeah, and he, he, he Harry cuts in and has Harry like you know awkwardly grabbing MJ and trying to like dance with her like a Jerry Lewis goofball. <laughs> and you know M- MJ's looking really angry. She even makes some kind of comment. He's like, oh, I'm gonna go get some punch, and she said, I got a punch for you. You know, doofus. Yeah, it's, it's dumb. It, there's no like tension of their past Please. romance, or it's just doofus. Um, Eddie, your buddy uh, Ned Leeds, who you love to talk about so much, oh, he must be an Empire U grad, right? Because I wondered that so much. <laughs> he's at the homecoming I, dance. Well, I, I think he's still. He could also be still trying to get an interview with Doctor Bolton since he got interrupted earlier that day. Yes, and Doctor <laughs> Bolton finds time to hang out at the alumni dance while he's also negotiating his daughter's <laughs> hostages he tells his wife let's just go hang out at the dance get a nice dress well we 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 go to come to find he already snatched the component at this point and he's gonna drop it off so he's been a busy guy this day that's for sure uh dr bolton arrives at the same stadium that once cheered him on uh, only to find his daughter held at gunpoint by some oddly clad mobsters. Uh, these guys look like they're going to go scuba diving more than rob someone. Yeah, they do have <laughs> packs on that are tied to guns, which don't seem to be flamethrowers. Uh, they do look like they're scuba divers. I, I know they want the worldwide habitual offender computer. Are they henchmen for some organization? I decided maybe I should poke around. Maybe in Daredevil they have an organizational group or something. Oh, I, I couldn't figure it out quickly, but... They're very organized, and I assume that they're just, you know, they, they work for somebody who has them all in matching outfits, as opposed to, you know, regular street-level criminals with just uh, guns, that's all. After Bolton hands over the component, the mobsters do not release his daughter. Uh, they are 100 yards away in an end zone, uh-huh. and Bolton is in the other end zone. Okay. And over the course of around... Mm, 11 or 12 panels, he is dodging gunfire as he runs toward his daughter. Uh, He gets shot at least once, maybe twice, while he's running, and eventually 
tackles the mobster and gets his daughters into his hands. Uh, Spider-Man shows up right then and cleans up the rest of the criminals, and it's super sad ending. Bolton dies, having made the 100-yard run he hadn't been able to make when he was a young man. Wow, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> kind of depressing. Like, he doesn't know Spider-Man's coming, <laughs> you know what I mean? No. Spider-Man's not like, hey, I'm going to help you with, this, with what's going on here. So he doesn't know. So this is his only recourse, but... It just seems like, how can he believe he's going to just run through? I think there's probably five guys with guns. You know, he's going to run through them. He's not like punching them. He's just running through them to tackle his daughter, which I would assume they would just, it just seems like his death could be a little unnecessary. It's, it's incredibly sad. It makes him seem so desperate and really like he feels he has no hope. Like he's never going to get his daughter again. Right. Only chance is try to run through machine gun fire right. for a hundred yards. And, well, and they told him at some point, like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna hold on to her so you don't go to the police. Oh my goodness! And I'm like, well, wouldn't he then just like what? Like wh- why? He would then go to the police because you have his daughter. Yeah. Like it, it was a really forced kind of situation to get him to run the hundred yards. I I can't. After reading this one, I know there were some parts that were lighter. You know, like doofus harry and mj and peter but i cannot understand why they would write such a dramatic tragic sad book uh at this point i i thought about you know this is peak organized crime in new york city in 1976 well there's there's a lot of it it's going to start to uh you know they're going to start to catch some of these criminals but it just seemed so dramatically unnecessary. It's super sad. I got to agree there. Um, On the cover, it has Spider-Man with (laughs) the little girl, and he's swinging while they're shooting at him. And I'm thinking, Spider-Man never sees a little girl like that, of course. They're not shooting at Spider-Man or the girl. You know, I mean, they're... But it's a slight lie. It's not that bad, right? It's not a a huge... I mean, Spider-Man does hold the little girl at the very end. She's not in his hands while he's being shot at. Yeah, that she, is for certain. No one ever shoots at the little girl. He's not, he yeah. doesn't have to grab her to save her from the gunfire, which is what happens. But anyway, Eddie, we have a sponsor for today. And that sponsor um, is something I think you're going to enjoy. Eddie, you like meet and greet cruises, right? Uh, uh, okay, yeah. Well... Empire Meet and Greet, who previously offered eight full hours on a boat with special guests. Remember, we had uh, Rufio oh. and uh, Rafio, as you like to call him, or, uh, Hidalgo and yes. Christian yes. Saunders. Remember that? Oh, uh, yeah, down the Hudson. Yes, exactly. They have a new meet and greet for you. Okay, I think you're going to like this one a lot. More, okay. more than that one, because you always were like, who's Hidalgo? <laughs> Eddie, we can travel back to 1692 with this meet and greet and meet some famous people in history, such as John Proctor. Uh, Betty Paris, Sarah Good, and South African slave uh, Tatuba. Now, let me be clear with you: these guys are all uh, these guys are all uh, good guys. Okay. Wow. Maybe, maybe not right. Maybe okay. Not Betty Paris, but the other three are definitely. Not. <laughs> Eddie, listen. Eddie, if you pay forty-five dollars for a ninety-minute cruise, that's thirty bucks an hour. We've talked about that. Right. Once again, 
uh, Empire Meet and Greet only charges $25 an hour. So you can enjoy this historical meet and greet uh, using Dr. Doom's time travel device. Uh, your $600 ticket is for a full 24 hours of fun. Um, they'll throw in some cornmeal mush and milk at no extra cost. Uh, there's no extra charge if the town is corrupted by uh, Cotton Mather. And, or if you see or don't see him, no extra charge, Eddie. Or anybody making accusations of witchcraft while you were there. So, Eddie, are you ready for a full day of some historical personages? I I get to go back to 1692 uh, and uh, cruise down the Hudson with these characters. Do- Doctor Doom's time machine. It's available for you to go whenever you want. <laughs> you, you don't even have to go with the group. You can just say, "Hey, I'll catch up with you guys later." You can so, go on your own. We've seen that before too. <laughs> so I'm I'm going through one of the greatest villains of the Fantastic Four's time machine to if you take pay for the cruise. If you pay for the ticket, yes. You and it's it's only six hundred dollars for the whole day. <laughs> the Latvian Academy of Sciences has created something that is now easily used by Empire Meet and Greet. So it's a great it's a great combination there. I didn't think this is something that you should bring everyone in your family until they're older. So I suggest that you go alone. I know I usually I mean, have extra tickets for you. Several daughters and a wife. I It's a really notorious time to be uh, around pilgrims, as Listen, we just if, read about. So. If you want to bring everybody, I just felt $2,400 might be kind of steep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you would you would be yeah. correct there. Six hundred dollars, yeah. Eddie. You could come back. Uh, you could tell everybody like, "Wow, I actually met uh, John, Proctor. John Proctor." Yeah, I mean, you got to get in there. You got to get early. Get John Proctor. <laughs> well, I I'm sure they'll be lining up. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I hopefully I can book online or something like that. If I yeah, of course we could talk. You know, we'll do so. We can talk about this more later. That's our okay, sponsor for today: goodness. Empire Meet and Greet. <laughs> Anything else uh, before we close this one up? Another bird died in a Marvel team-up. I was sad about this. <laughs> we had little mosquitoes pigeon killed by the cry or by uh, the crime master yeah, not I... too long ago, and the monster sitting on the bench with Doctor Bolton grabs a bird and kills it in his hands. It was the mobster sad again. The mobster's name is Pain. I know oh. that because he is a character who will come back as opposed Ooh. to. Uh, you're not going to see, you know, Bolton's wife and daughter anymore. They're not appearing oh. in future issues. The guy's name is Payne. So, um, wow. Talking about the artwork, just briefly, it's similar. I think Ross Andrew is close to the Ramita style. Doesn't mean that he's copying him. Yes. I just mean it's it's similar. He, uh, he, yes, he plays with a lot of shadows, a little bit more defined lines. I know Spider Man. You know, in the Ditko area, I feel he swung around very rarely at night, if ever. He was always in daylight. And over the course of the Romita era, he's been swinging around in darkness. And now, almost every time we see Spider-Man swinging around, it is the evening or the night. Which means, I feel like we get a lot more shadow effect with light and dark. Hmm. I don't feel I'm an expert on the on the art. That's not what I've... But I find the characters are... I want to say it's, you know, I'm not trying to cop out on Ross Andrew, but Ramita made everybody sort of like bigger and brighter, but not as detailed. And Ditko mm-hmm. had everybody sort of really kind of like 
uh, very fine lined, very and, busy too for Ditko. And, and, Patterns and, everywhere. And Andrew might have might be using kind of like the best of each. Like his Peter is not as mm-hmm. undefined as uh, Ramita, but he's definitely you know more fleshed out, like you know as well. So it's sort of like a little bit, a little combination yeah. there. Well, I do miss the Ditko era. That is my favorite and I, favorite artist. Yeah, and I was glad when we switched to Ramita. I thought it was like a brand new book. So, <laughs> and also Ramita suffers from you know less panels and less backgrounds right. for a while too when they were going through all the other nonsense. But uh, Eddie, if somebody wanted to uh, tell us how they felt about the artwork in any of these books, uh, how could they reach us? Yeah, you could email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com uh, or you could find us on Twitter at letsreadspidey. Um, and it's time for the close. Uh, I'm James B. Joined by Eddie. And remember, listeners, if you're in danger of um, being hung by uh, witches or being shot by uh, gangsters, uh, don't worry. Spider-Man's going to save you in just the nick. Oh, boy. Eddie, now I know I dope in the way I did. <laughs> uh, goodbye. Goodbye. You know, in these books before and after this one, there's a lot of having to constantly make up with MJ. This is becoming yeah, a pattern. It, it's I I really don't like it. Like I, he's a jerk. He's really mean to her, and he wasn't like that with Gwen or Liz. I felt like even close to that much. Well, I, I think MJ is a far more worthy character to have in this book. Well, her worthiness is why he's in trouble all the time because Gwen. He could blow Gwen off, oh. and Gwen would be like, I'm just waiting for you because I'm Gwen. Uh, and MJ is, yeah, yeah, MJ doesn't tolerate this nonsense. She's constantly calling mm-hmm. him out. Like, she'll say, like, Are you serious? We just made up 30 seconds ago. And he'll be like, Oh, yeah. I got to take a picture. And she's <laughs> like, Don't come back, loser. You know, and she calls him oh, out right. That's true. Yeah, she's very strong willed.